And like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salts of the Streets podcast. This is Sunday, November 25th, 1024 a.m. Sunday. Sunday. And on this beautiful Sunday, welcome back to Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on weekly news, pop culture, and sports built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal people around America. Yeah. Join us as we discuss life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Colin. I'm Donovan. Coming up on this week's show, it's been almost two months since the alleged assassination of Saudi national and Washington post contributor Jamal Khashoggi. And we have some pretty major breaks in the story that have come out this week. So we'll get you all caught up on the latest and from there, we'll probably just kind of spin off into everybody's favorite topic, the Trumpy news. Yeah. Because there's never a shortage of that. Trumpy things. And, uh, but of course, before we dive into the heavy stuff, just a reminder, take a second to rate and review the show on whatever platform you're on right now, whether it's SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, podcast. If you like what we're doing and want to help us out, all you got to do is give us a rating and a review. Nice little five stars. Give us a little 30-second review. Five We'd eight. love you forever, and it would greatly help out the show. Follow us on Instagram at <clears throat> Salt of the Streets. Give us a like on Facebook at Salt of the Streets. And also check out our weekly blog on saltofthestreets.com. Everything and, on Salt of the Streets. And you'll find everything there as well. Yeah. Um, also, the if you like the, uh, the video podcast, you can find us on our Salt of the Streets YouTube channel. And, of course, you can always reach out to us on our personal social medias. I am at Big Bird Offie on both the Twitters and the Instagrams. And on Twitter, I am Salt of the Street. And on Instagram, I am Alpaca underscore Donovan. Of course you are. Yeah. I still love that. <laughs> now that I know the backstory behind Alpaca. It's just that much better, isn't it? Yeah. It is so good. Because, I mean, I appreciated it when it was an animal. <laughs> but now it's not an animal. Mm-mm. So Indeed. if you if you missed the reference, go check out a what was that like a month or so ago? That was two months ago. The episode that we did with Jake and Morgan. Mm. So whenever was that, that on my was. birthday? Yes. Yeah. So so that would have been yeah. It probably came out like the twenty third or twenty fourth of July, like that. Yeah. So so uh, yeah. We're, as you may notice, we're in a. Uh, Studio Bravo over here at the the Phillips household. We've got the nice Seahawks game on the back, so we might be having to check in with that. Tied 0-0, left in the first. But if you missed the game this weekend and you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, we'll give you all the info right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, John, let's just jump into the old uh, the updates on Jamal Khashoggi. Okay. So, <clears throat> let's see. What do I have here? On November 16th, the Washington Post reported that the CIA had concluded their investigation on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, and they had found that MBS Mohammed bin Salman, a.k.a. the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, who's kind of like the, I mean, his dad, the king, is still the acting ruler, but he kind of runs the day-to-day, like, bullshit and does all that. Um, And so they found that Mohammed bin Salman ordered the killing of of Jamal Khashoggi, 
and that there's no other i mean that's the only way that it could have been done is mm-hmm. if he would have done that and they based that on two pieces of information um intercepted phone calls from Mohammed bin Salman the days before the murder and then calls from the kill team to senior aides of Jamal Khashoggi or of of Mohammed bin Salman um after the murder happened which i believe went to his brother if I remember right, I, I think, think so. Yeah, and then from there it was like brother to. And they to said him. in the phone calls, "Tell your boss that like that the deed is done." Yeah, you know. What and I think saying? that's yeah. I think the verbatim was "Tell, Tell the boss the the deed is done." Yeah, and I mean we have a what's the quote? He specifically said to silence Jamal Khashoggi as soon as possible. Yes, coming from MBS. That is what what Mohammed bin Salman said in. Uh, in those intercepted phone calls, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and intercepted phone, I mean, that's for anybody who doesn't know. I mean, that means that there are phone calls that he made that the U.S. government was paying attention to. And they, you know, picked him up in the airwaves and decoded and not decoded them because he's not speaking in code. He's speaking Arabic <laughs> um, and translated them from Arabic to English. And, you know, they found out that's what he said. That's. That's what the CIA does. Yeah, pretty common practice through the government. Uh, And if you know anything about America, happens here all the time. Um, (laughs) We'll talk about that another time. Um, And so that happened. And then on the 20th, and we'll get to this a little bit towards the end of this. um, On the 20th, the president put out a statement about the killing of Jamal Khashoggi that, again, directly contradicted the CIA um, with what they had found. And And this wasn't a... You know, Donald Trump jumping on his Twitter. This was an official statement from President Donald Trump. It's on WhiteHouse.gov. Yeah, that's the one that I have his statement up here, too, that is also it is on WhiteHouse.gov briefings dash statements slash statement dash president dash Donald dash J dash Trump dash standing dash Saudi dash Arabia. That's where this is. Um, as you started reading that, I looked up at the line. I was like, oh, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> I, as I kept going, I was like, how far should I go so into did this? Did I make you a know? mistake here? <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you can find the statement itself. I mean, it's really, really easy to find. And they put it out. And there's a lot of really interesting shit here that I don't want to get into right now. We can talk a little bit about yeah. Khashoggi like, as a as a deal. Um, but we'll talk about this particular statement towards the end. Um but one thing I is I do think is important is, like I said, that President Trump has, again, directly contradicted the CIA, right? Because as you guys may or may not remember, but we talked about when the Helsinki deal went down, when President Trump went over and met with Putin over in Helsinki, right? Before that, the CIA, all of the intelligence communities as a whole, what is there, 16 of them or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. They all collectively agreed and came together to say that the Russians did, in fact, interfere with the election, right? And that is not me saying that they swayed the election because they didn't, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, and as we've said a thousand times before, is that the Russians undoubtedly, unquestionably, nothing at all, they had their hands in the election, right? And like we said, they didn't. We're talking about a pie, right? They didn't piss in the pie. They didn't shit in it. They didn't put hairs in it. They did nothing. But they put their hands in it. Yeah, you know? they touched it. They 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 had their, their their hands were clean to begin with. You know, they had washed them. But after they washed them, they just put their hands in your pie, <laughs> and then took it out and walked away. You, you know, know what I'm Don, saying? I was a little iffy on this pie analogy. But you you got you me on board. Saying? That's what I'm saying. You got me on board. That's what I'm saying I made sure they they wash their hands first, so that, like their hands are clean. But they just like how you feel, you know. It doesn't feel good to know that somebody, even though they're clean hands, they're t- 
just all up in your pie, you know? And, I mean, nobody's hands are ever truly clean, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, this is what we I mean, we talked about, like, the fake news campaigns that went on. and Yes. And a lot of that, a lot of that was driven by, you know, Russian actors. Yeah. And, you know, they they meddled, I think. I think yes. that's the best word. They meddled. Yeah. And, and we talked about uh, those postings, too, kind of probably around the time that Zuckerberg testified in front of the Senate. Yeah. Um, that's probably when we talked about this, right? That it, again, undoubted, unquestionably, right? Anybody who disagrees, you're wrong. That's not in my opinion. That's not anything. You're wrong. Factually, you're incorrect. The, the fact of the matter, right? The truth of the matter is the Russians did spend $100,000 on Facebook. I believe that it was like a little over $100,000 in ads on Facebook and on promoting things, right? Um, that was bullshit, right? But, Real fake news. But again, when it comes down to it, that's up to you. You know, if you found any of that information and you believed it and you didn't double check the sourcing, that's on you, right? That's not on Russia. That's not on whatever. It's not right. I don't, you know, I don't think that they should be buying political ads here, but that's not the argument that that swayed the election in favor of President Trump, I think is disingenuous, right? And it yeah. takes, it takes the personal responsibility out of the things that people read on a day to day, you know? Because, well, I don't know. That's it. It, it takes the personal responsibility out. And I think that that's bullshit. You are 100% responsible of the information that you take in and that you believe. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And whether or not you double check it, that's on you. Like, and it's, it's a sad state of affairs when we can't, reliably count on like one source all the time yes except this but this is facebook we're talking about except this one you can count on us 100 percent. this shouldn't be the only place where you get your news we've said that before but as we've also said we do our damnedest to make sure that the information we're providing you is factual and anything we're incorrect about we'll generally slap a little fact check on that and on tuesday i come around to it so most of the time if you're listening to this and you have found something you're like i'm not sure that that's true Go check my Twitter because I probably talked about it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Do you hashtag fact check when you do I that? I do. I, I thought hashtag so. correction tweet. That's what correction it is. Tweet. Hashtag correction tweet. Every time. So you can even look up the hashtag correction tweet and it's probably mostly my tweets. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. it's just an uncommon hashtag. Because whenever I need to fact check something that I say, I just say fact check and Don looks it up for yep. me. <laughs> I, I've got that time on Tuesdays. Thank you to my bosses. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> well, there was... Nah, I won't bring that up. There was a like there was a side note there that I think I we might touch on later, but we'll get to if we get to that, we'll we'll get there. Yeah. It had to do with like fake news and uh people reading things off of Facebook like uh whether or not Black Friday is racist. Cuz I've heard a lot of misinformation about that, but I'll put that in the grab bag. And we'll save that for later. <laughs> if we get to it. Yeah. Just please know Black so, Friday is not racist. So as as we were kind of alluding to, right, when it comes to the president contradicting the CIA, you know, just just like he did in, in Helsinki. That's how we got mm-hmm. on this, right? And he was asked about it then that he said, oh, well, you know, President Putin or, or Vladimir Putin told me, you know, that he didn't do it. You know, yeah. when I looked at him face to face, he told me that he didn't do it. And he's saying the same thing now with Mohammed bin Salman. That, oh, well, he's told me several times that he didn't have anything to do with it, you know, and I believe him. Like, and I think that that's a serious, serious problem to have a president that, um, what do I have here, right? That 
he's believing the heads of state over the intelligence community, right? I mean, and that shows either like no care or concern for the resp- for the role or the responsibility of the intelligence agencies. Yeah. I mean, that's their whole job is there to, to look into those things and tell you because you're the president, you don't have the time or the resources outside of the intelligence communities to do that. That's why you know? they exist and that's why like, they're extensions of the executive branch of government. Those are – your intelligence communities, those are your resources. You know, if your resources are telling you that this is the case, why would you believe anything other than that? You know, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's... Because, again, this man has no concept of how the governmental system is supposed to run. Yeah. He just, he sees whether you're on his side or not on his side. And I can understand... Somebody in a position like the presidency where you want to, what do I say, well, especially with you, a, honey. yeah, gazuntite, Jordan, uh, with somebody like Saudi Arabia, for example, like Russia, it's a, I can still understand, but you want to make sure that whatever you do as a diplomat for the country, because you are representing the country that you have been elected for, yeah, that you want to, you know. You want to play nice with everybody you can. You want to ha- have good relationships and all this stuff. But it's all surface type of stuff. Right. And then you should still rely and and make decisions based off of your own, you know, intelligence community, for right. example, in this case. But the problem is, is when the way Donald Trump does it, he he shits on the intelligence community when they don't necessarily play his way. Yes. And... You know, and then I think he still has a lot of emotional ties to this uh, supposed witch hunt that he calls it. Yeah. You know, and so you his think kind of he, breakdown. So you think he sees connections between his witch hunt and what's going on here with Well, yeah, he said all the time with, uh, well, it's just the intelligence communities yeah. uh, in general. Just like, the intelligence communities. Yeah, because he, you know, he said over and over through this Mueller thing that, like, the, the FBI is biased and yes, all this stuff. right. And, you know... That's not a good – you can't say that as a president. Right. You just you're, – you're now – what's the term I'm looking for? But you're, you're, you're pulling any credibility away from your own intelligence agencies. Like just crediting them? Is that what you're yeah, looking for? Yeah, because he will go out and say something that directly contradicts them. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, I mean, you got to believe me because I'm the president. Because I'm the president. But you're not – you're supposed to say what they say because they speak for you because they are an arm of your branch of government. Right. And so I can definitely understand, like you were saying, I can understand why he would maybe not be boldly, openly, publicly aggressive towards MBS, right? Because mm-hmm. he is the president has to kind yeah. of save face. But, but you I don't but it, do you it. You don't – not this. Yeah. You, because like you said, it, it – discredits the intelligence communities that now you are telling America they can't believe the people that are supposed to be looking out for them. You, you know? know, we use the softball analogy a lot, right? Well, this is the equivalent of the of the coach of the team going out to the umpire or something like that, who is ideally the world, and you're, you know, speaking in the microphone to the rest of the, uh, you know, the stadium and saying like, hey, don't, you know, we don't listen to these guys. These guys suck. You know, yeah. yeah, they're my team, but I don't, you know, don't listen to them. And it's, you can't do that, man. What kind of coach is that? And it's, and it's unfortunate, right? Because you have, with how divisive the country is right now, 
there are so many individual citizens that are ride or die for Donald Trump that they are willing to accept and believe that statement that, oh, well, the FBI is corrupt then and the CIA is corrupt and they all have it out for President Trump anyway. Yeah. You know, President Nothing Trump is matters the, anymore. Exactly. President Trump is the only person that I can believe because he's telling me that, you know, he's got us this far. He's done all this stuff. You know, he's bringing back my coal jobs and, you know, he's he's fucking around in the Middle East and he told North Korea to go fuck themselves. And I mean, know, he got us hundreds of thousands of jobs from this Saudi weapons deal. Yeah. So right, wink, wink. So it, there's so many things wrong with it. Like horrible, horrible. <laughs> not even coincidence, right? Just no. like I don't. Know, circumstance isn't the right word either, you know. But like a chance, almost, you know, just chance that all of these things are lining up in such a way, you know, that he is able to say these things and not be shit on for lack of a better term by the majority of the country but to have so many people be like that's my man yeah you know that's my boy right there where does like, that come from that's twisted that is fucking twisted that people have allowed themselves to get to a point okay so let me tell you this so one of the moments this week where i could have been playing red dead redemption but only had 30 minutes so i read a book instead right so i'm reading jordan peterson okay, okay. and he's talking about when you times where you have to say no, but say yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's like, he's like, there are a lot of times where you like, you need to say no, but instead, you know, for whatever reason, you just say yes, you know? And he's like, can you do that enough times? You eventually lose your ability to say no when you have to say no, you know? And so then he says, this is exactly how you get Nazi Germany. And it says you have masses of people that see tiny things, one one person, one Jewish person being taken out of their house. And they're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's one person, you know, yeah, and then shit I like that keeps happening. And you've said yes enough times that now when you're at a point where you're seeing people be murdered in the street because they're Jewish, you're like, what am I going to do? Well, there's a reason you know? for that. And that's like I'm trying to justify it or something. And I am not because anybody who's too devout to Trump will be like, this guy's calling Trump Hitler. This guy's saying Trump is a Nazi, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Hitler and Trump are the same person. I'm not saying that Trump is Hitler reincarnated. I'm not saying that people who support Trump are Nazis, right? It's the same idea that we talk about with leftists and with this crazy socialism bullshit with the 75 gender identifiers. These same people who will, who will say that I'm trying to say that Trump is a Nazi will say that that's bullshit, right? Yeah. It's the same idea, the same way that that idea and the idea of socialism – are the same, are hand in hand, right? This, what he's doing, what is going on in that wing of the Trump party is, is totalitarianism. Like that, like that's, that's on the road there, man. And that's not the group think nastiness where you're unable to get away from that is what's going on. And that yeah. is unhealthy. Well, see that dangerous, as you say, totalitarianism, right? Totalitarianism implies force. Correct. I mean, like this is because like these when same I people. I say that because these yeah. same group of people is that are willing to say Trump forever, right? It's like that far right part that are willing to willing to throw down in Charlottesville and shit like they did. You know, that's yeah. that same group of people. Like, and that's the that's yeah. the small tip of that iceberg. You know, small. But you have yeah. that group of people traveling around to different towns doing shit like that. You and know? I like that the way you phrase that as a as an iceberg because yeah that. That is like that sharp tip at yes. the very edge. Yes. But then it goes down and then you have the more 
you know, the broader base, if right. you will, absolutely. that aren't a bunch of nationalist, racist, whatever. And I absolutely agree with that. And that and is so, why I put it that way. So just using that, well, just because it doesn't really matter. It's, it's kind of whatever. But just using your your definition of totalitarianism. Yeah. Like how many people are just voluntarily being, you know, a follower of this, this, this always Trump syndrome or right. something like that. And why? I don't, like, is it just one part of his message that like gets under their skin and they, that's the one thing that they really, they, they ride or die on and they're just passionate enough about, you know, building a wall or, you know, well, foreign I, trade or I don't know what it is or if it's just his personality in general. I, I kind of think I went over that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about, um, let's see, the migrant caravan, right? Mm-hmm. We we're talking about immigration because for a lot of people, immigration is their deal, right? And so I think one of the big examples I kind of thought of were the people who, oh, shit, let me, what do I got here? I mean, the people that, what is it, like the people, people that have like the trades and jobs, people that work in like the coal mines and shit like that, right? That come from the generation where they had to work hard and had shitty jobs, right? Mm-hmm. They're watching people of our generation not want to have shitty jobs. You know, like we were talking about with Dave last week. They don't want trades. They don't want to do nothing in the fucking fields. They don't want to do anything like that, you yeah. know? And so they see immigrants coming here, taking those jobs, taking those jobs, right? Take, Ex- they took her job. In reality, accepting those jobs because other people are not willing to take them, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's happening. And, and so then you see all these people that are, you know, that are working hard and you're seeing Americans be lazy and all this shit. And now you got problems with immigrants when it's not really their problem. They're just coming here to take the work because they need work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's people like that that are able not able that do draw conclusions that really don't make any sense you know mm-hmm. i think that's that same group of people you know because they're able to look past all this crazy shit that president trump says you know yeah. as like well he's just being strong he's think- strong arm in north korea and he's strong arm in russia and look where mm-hmm. we're at we're doing all right you know but i think a lot of the the trump base probably gets a bad rap because i feel like their views, for whatever reason, why they support Trump, are so diverse. Well, right, and that's like, just I, one. It's so hard to pin down. The particular example that I laid out yeah, is, for, is not by any means the entirety of the Trump base. That's just one path that I can see for somebody who's a totally normal, reasonable American to mm-hmm. be getting to a point where they're letting, you know, they're supporting someone like President Trump who's sane and crazy, doing unreasonable, unlogical shit, yeah. you know? And that's. So to kind of bring it back to the illogical, Khashoggi, illogical, Khashoggi, yeah, Khashoggi, yeah. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> um, did you buy hats on, by by chance by hats. on that? Yeah, buy hats. Do you buy hats? <laughs> oh, speaking of which, side note, remind me to talk to you about hats after the show. Okay. Um, on that Washington Post article, did you yes. watch that video? I did not. Oh, man. They break down the known timeline of the assassination from when the teams left, like the hit teams. There's three different teams that went out, when they got there, what they did, who they were. 
And it's the, pretty intense. The first time we covered this a couple episodes ago, um, like let's see, that would be episode thirty six um, when we first talked about this. Dang. I had I went over a rough timeline mm-hmm. through a BBC article of that same type mm-hmm. of idea of, of when they arrived, when they got to the consulate, when they did yep. all this stuff, and then when they left. And it was all within like twelve hours or some shit. I mean, even smaller yeah, than quick. a really tiny window that they arrived, murdered him, cut him up, buried him, and then left. Yeah, you know and I'm it saying? sounds like they. Uh, from everything I've read through here, and it's hard because this is a CIA report that got – it was a, essentially a report that the president was briefed on. And so, we're never going to see that report. Okay. So, but it was All just, we have is, yeah. you know, from sources, um, you know, knowledgeable of the report or whatever. Yeah. So, it's hard to pin down the actual, actual facts. But from everything I'm looking for, cross-referencing all the articles – the facts that we, you know, the quote unquote facts that we do know seem to all run true. Yes. But it sounds like he was essentially dissolved. Uh, what's that that word? Is it 21? No. 21 Cloverfield Lane? Or oh, what movie was that? That Cloverfield movie. The latest one. But dissolved in. Uh, the Paradox? No. Oh, yeah. So not the newest one. The one with John Goodman. Yeah, that's 10 Cloverfield. 10 Lane. Cloverfield Lane. You know how they go up into the attic and they pop that lid on that barrel or something, and there's like the freaking the body dissolving and like acid and stuff. Word. That's from my understanding how his body was disposed of. Okay, so I remember when it first happened, they were talking about him being buried, like up on in the, the forest grounds. or something, right? They talked about I heard in the forest, and then I also heard on the grounds of the Saudi Arabian consular. Like the consul. They went to his house. Yeah, because they did go to his house. And so they had thought that he was buried on the grounds of the consul's home of Saudi Arabia. But now it sounds, you're saying it sounds like he was dissolved in acid. From everything I read, that's the sound. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we really don't know. We won't know 100%. We may never know exactly what happened to him. There were 70 people who were sanctioned. Yeah, like dealing with this. And so if some type of trial or something goes down, some people are going to be put to death, right? In Saudi Arabia, is that the case? That um, So unless there's some type of hearing or trial or something, I don't know that we'll ever get that information from them because the Saudis Saudis aren't going to request it because they're the ones that had this done, you know? So the amount of investigating the Saudis are going to do into this is going to be very, very limited. Yeah, that's Um, I was happy that the CIA's report had come out. Because up to date, for the most part, all the information we've been getting is from Turkish news. And half, if not more, of the Turkish news outlets are state-owned these days. Really? And so you're just kind of getting, you know, the the Turkish governments. Yeah. You know, there's a couple things. Like, I got an article in here from, oh, what's it called? The Hurayet Daily News, which is a Turkish outlet. But it's not, I don't believe it's state-run. Hurayet. But it uh, it um, references the CIA um, report and the phone calls and stuff that Gina Haspel has listened to, Ooh, head of Haspel. CIA these days. The um, shift from the console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was the one that listened to these, these phone calls. And, and President Trump said he wasn't going to listen to him, right? Yeah, because he was just going to get briefed by the CIA. Which ideally is... If I was the president and this is just part of my like weird fucked up 
true murder podcast. Yeah, I would say you would love that. I would that. be like, let me hear those fucking tapes. Like, yeah. let me hear the tapes. Let me see the fucking tapes. Like, I want this fucking information now. You're like, hang on. I got to call Jeff Sesh real quick. And yeah. I got to see if I, as the president, can create a podcast with Wondery about this. <laughs> I want to see if I, can, <laughs> right. if I can go ahead and call the guy from fucking Sword and Scale and see if I can yeah. get something worked out. Oh, that's I, I would love to be on another outpost or on another, you know, podcast. Oh, outpost. for sure. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, by then you're present anyways, Don. How much more can you ask for? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just want to talk about it on TV. You know? Yeah, right. Just let me get a little bit of airtime. I was like, come on, guys. It's 2018. We got the president is all over the Twitter machine. Let him get a podcast going. I want a White House I want podcast. a presidential podcast yeah. from the fucking Oval Office I every do. month. Definitely. That would be kind of rad. I want Barack Obama to host an interview podcast show. Barack. That would be insane. That would be really good. Just, I mean, say what you want about the man, but he has a wonderful voice to listen to. He does. I, you know. He's a great orator. I'm not a huge fan of the way he governed uh, or some of his politics, but he, the, I like to listen to him talk. But he's I'm a sorry. great public speaker. He is. Great public yeah. speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, this beer is really good. It's super good. We didn't mention it. Shout out to uh, Downpour Brewing, Kingston. It's a 32-ounce beer. Yeah, it's really cool, man. If you guys are watching the video, you can see this giant can of beer. And I went there the other day, and I asked if they, you know, because a lot of breweries, they sell like 22-ounce bottles and stuff like that. But they don't sell any bottles. But she goes, you know, the the... I don't know if you want to call her a bartender, but the person behind pouring the, the taps. Um, the tap lady? Yeah, the tap lady. Uh, she said, no, but we, we sell cans. I was like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, they're the size of a squeaker. A squeaker. Which is a 32-ounce can. It's a lot of beer. We got two perfect glasses of beer. Yeah, perfectly summer. filled pint glasses. It was it was magical. Yeah. And uh, But yeah, it was like super cheap, and it was the coolest thing in the world they just take this can, they sanitize it real quick, they fill it up like they do a growler, they take a lid and they put it in this little machine and like a minute and a half later, you got a nice, cold, carbonated beer in a can that'll last two, three weeks before you, it's You said this is in Kingston? Yeah, right downtown. Should be going there. It's... They serve food there? No. But the Grub Hut is right next door. Mm. So I'm sure that you can make an arrangement and uh yeah, but yeah it was a nice place man we'll have to go yeah because i've never really I've never been there beer. before i like this a lot i've heard not so awesome things about it really but when i went there i was like this is actually pretty nice they got a nice like real you know dark wood kind of feel it's real warm and you know kind of really, cozy really like this enormous can it's so cool this is really kind of cool and you can recycle it and I would love to just carry one of these around, you know. It's a big can. In a brown paper It's good for sack. guys with big hands like us. <laughs> I need one of these in a brown paper sack, you know, that I can just. Yes. Like the, uh, is it just me or every time I go to the weed store, I always walk out with a little brown paper sack. Always a brown paper bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting. Uh, so I think from there we should we could probably pivot into the uh, the old statement the statement. Okay, so there was a couple of problems that I had with this statement, right? I got uh, so many problems with this statement. Yeah. So one of the quotes that I pulled from it um, is here. We'll start towards the top, right? Now, one of the things that he said, see, he had talked to Jamal Khashoggi many times, right? Our intelligence agencies. This is a quote from. Uh, 
let's see, like the fifth paragraph, I think. Our intelligence agencies continue to assess all information, but it could be very well that the crown prince had knowledge of this tragic events. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Exclamation point. Yeah. Right? But I just, I don't know. Like, why is that good enough for you? You know, why? Well, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Like, why is that good enough? Why is that okay? You know? Yeah. That doesn't seem in a in a true diplomat's way, if this was a proper president, the sentiment would be because I think he's speaking towards the kind of the public outcry to the deals that we've made with Saudi Arabia lately and our relationship with Saudi Arabia and which is trash, which we went over in the Khashoggi thing and yeah. in the fucking uh, when we talked about the problem with Yemen mm-hmm. a couple of episodes back, we went over all this bullshit and how I think that we should not be involved with Saudi Arabia at all. Yeah. and But the problem is, for whatever reason, you know, there's multiple reasons, but Saudi Arabia, the, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is a very important strategic ally, right? And we talked about this, like you said, on that that Yemen show. And there's a lot of reasons why we can't just necessarily completely alienate them without consequences. Because that's who we got. Right? Because that's kind of one... Yeah, it's one of the only people we got over there besides Israel. And, you know, so from... Like I said, from a, a standard, halfway decent diplomatic president, you would not want to just come out and start, you know, condemning them over and over again, really nailing them down, hardening them down. You would want to publicly condemn them, but then, you know, and take like sanction action or something like that. But you would want maybe to try. Cancel, maybe cancel the active contracts that you have with them. That know? would be a good place to start. Yeah. yeah. Especially because what what was it? A hundred some billion dollars uh, or like a total of four hundred fifty billion dollars worth of trade yeah. deals. And then the, one ten on military equipment. right? Yeah. And, and they haven't. They've only purchased a fraction. I might have it written down here, but they've only purchased a fraction of that hundred and ten billion dollars of weapons. Like they haven't yeah. filled that contract yet. It's, no, because it's, it's like a long term agreement that they will meet over a period of time. Yeah, but I think that it's even less than at this point than we expected. I'm trying to. Yeah, I, I would probably argue just without even looking at the number, that's got to be at definitely under a hundred thousand. Or hundred billion. Yeah. Because that's close to the totality of it all. Yeah, I don't have a fact check. I'll try and find that because I did hear something about that. Because um, so it's been, what, a little over Tuesday. a year? Something like that. I think so. Yeah. And, I mean, there can't be too much money there. But, again, I think this is him doing a really bad job at trying to just not directly point a finger and say, bad, we're going to, you know, we're going to rock our relationship now. But... The problem is he has no idea how to do that. Right. And so his only, you know, this is just, this sounds like it was dictated into that, you know, a a writing dictation program and just from a speaker out. or something like that. Because it sounds like him. It seems to me, right? Because I understand as much as I don't like how it feels, right? Because I don't personally, I understand that you can't just be like, you know what, NBS, fuck you. You know, fuck yeah. Saudi Arabia, we're out of here. Like, you can't be doing this shit like this, we're over it, right? And some, I understand some deep it, geopolitical it, implications. But it seems like the easiest thing that you could do, you know, is be like, listen, we're sanctioning these 17 people that we know had something to do with it. We're pretty certain that you had something to do with it. So we're going to go ahead and withdraw this weapons contract. We're not doing this shit anymore, right? Because not only not only is that a strike that you need to have towards the, towards the crown, right? Mm-hmm. But it also deals with this 
Yemen bullshit that you got yourself into that so many people have a problem with, right? Oh, and dude. So, I mean, it's like a dual purpose deal that it's, it, like I said, it's, it's a hit towards the crown. It deals with Yemen and it also is like an olive branch towards the Democrats that you're like, also, I don't really want to do this either. So let's yeah. work something out, you know? Yeah. I like, mean, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's it. That's it. No, I don't. That's Um, all I gotta, that's all I gotta say. Yeah. I'm thinking like in my mind, if I was the president here and I want to try to maintain geopolitical relations, uh, you know, keep this strategic alliance in place and still do kind of the, the moral right thing. Like you said, I think first off, you would have to, you know, we sanctioned the 17 individuals that we believe were involved. Sorry, everybody. Um, we, I would have a public condemnation of the crown prince based off of our, you know, our intelligence information. Yeah. And I would demand a, you know, like a withdrawal from Yemen. And I would make sure that there are consequences because we have to remember we, regardless of how much power they have and control over things like the economy based on the oil prices and all that. No, they don't hold us hostage anymore. No. We are the number one producer of oil in the world. Well, and we would that was something we fact check I fact checked from his yeah. speech. I think it was in here somewhere. Well, and there's enough people around the world producing oil besides yeah. the Saudis that that's not the only place that we can go to get oil. No. You know what I'm saying? And even if OP- the entire OPEC, you know, cartel decides to jack the prices up on oil. What does OPEC stand for? OPEC is the. Do you have oh, it down somewhere? I do have it pulled up. It's a, it's a mouthful. Just because people might not know. What so OPEC, OPEC is. yeah, because you hear it talked a lot about, especially these days, because Donald Trump likes to focus on the economy so much. Yeah, it's the, the organization of around. of petroleum exporting countries, Word. OPEC, and you know, surprisingly, the the member states involve Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela. They were the original founders of it, and then. Now, I believe it has nine additional members, including Qatar, Indonesia, Libya, United, excuse me, United Arab Emirates, Algeria, Nicaragua, my wife's very own Ecuador, uh, Gabon, and Angola. And so those are the countries that make up the oil cartel that is OPEC. Yeah. But anyways, they control essentially the price for oil worldwide. Yes. Because they're the lead exporters. Um, the U.S. is now the lead producer of oil, but we don't export that much. And the way that that was kind of explained to me the first time, I don't remember who it was, but that when gas prices kind of like skyrocket for a little bit and they go back down, right? Mm-hmm. That's because everybody in OPEC has kind of decided that we're all going to sell oil for like the same price. Right? Yep. We're all going to sell for the same price. So, you know, it keeps the market even, right? But every once in a while, someone's like, you know what? I'm going to cut my barrels by like 50 cents, mm-hmm. you know, or some shit like that. And so they, someone will buy a whole fuckload of oil from that country instead. And it sets everything off and freaks everybody out. And then our gas prices go up really high and then they come back down. Yeah. You know, because after they do that, everyone in the rest, everybody in OPEC takes notice and they're like, Hey, hey what the fuck? You can't yeah. do that. Like we got this whole thing going on, you know? So they're like, oh, right, 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 right. And they, they figure it back out and it levels back out, you know? Yeah. And, and Saudi Arabia is so important in this context because they are, when it comes to OPEC, they're the big dog in OPEC. Yeah. 
And so, you know, there is a true... Always had hell of I mean, oil. Yeah. I mean, there is a logical reason to kind of want to play nice with, you know, Saudi Arabia when it comes to oil prices because they could they could do what they did back in this, what was it, the 70s with the, the massive gas shortage and the line when they just spiked the oil or just stopped doing whatever. You know, that's a real problem that could could pop up. But the, the thing is, we're not exactly reliant on them. We don't have to be anymore. Right. It's, it's a different world. Um, and so, crap, what was the, the point I was trying to make? I got sidetracked. OPEC. OPEC, oil, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. Don't oh, yeah. Need them. Like, because we, you know, like I said, as the United States, we can make a demand of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and they can't necessarily hold oil over our heads anymore. Right. They could try. And it might be rough for a minute, but we could figure it out. I mean, would, would be all right. Yeah, we'd be all right. We're the number one producing oil company in the world now. I mean, or country in the world. <laughs> we can handle it if we needed to. It's just a big company. Yeah, it's just a big company. That's all it is. That's what President Trump thinks. Yeah, and that's and that there lies the problem, my friend. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did have about that same statement you talked about. Our intelligence agencies continue to assess all information, but. It could very well be that the crown prince had knowledge of the tragic event. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Exclamation point. But I wrote in there, uh, in my little notes there, according to reports, the CIA report significantly points or specifically points to a phone call implicating the crown prince as the ultimate authority in carrying out the extrajudicial killing. And so what I did is I, I went ahead and I copy pasted that entire speech into my writing program. Yeah. And it lets me highlight things with different colors. Ooh. And so I went around and highlighted, you know, actual true statements, whether or not they actually have anything to do with anything. I highlighted them in yellow, uh, stuff that's kind of shady or I don't fully think is truthful in the way that he, you know, when compared in proper context, I flagged in orange and then I have some things flagged in in red some things that are half that are basically just bullshit and that was one of my red lines that whole thing where he just blatantly contradicts he just questions the authority of the intelligence community right off the bat he says well maybe he did maybe he didn't no like now you're just you're you're peeing all over the report you're peeing all over everything the cia just did when he tried to lie about it, you know, like when he yeah. when he was being asked about it, he said, he was like, oh, you know, they they didn't really find that. Like they just had kind of, you know, general ideas of whatever. I'm like, that's that's not the case. Like, yeah. and if you're saying that there's going to be that same group of people we were talking about that aren't going to do their due diligence, which is their own fault, mm-hmm. you know, but you know that they're not going to go and look it up because you're telling them that it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, that- we know that there's going to be a large percentage of the population that just doesn't have the time or they just don't care enough to actually find the truth. Yeah. And when there's a wealth of misinformation, especially coming from the head of state, that's just, it's so dangerous on so many levels. It's just yet another institution that should be relied upon that now you're cast in shade on. Yeah. And the true implications of that are far reaching down to, you know, probably a value that I think a lot of the Trump base carries, and that's probably just mistrust in all institutions. Yeah. As, you know, as pertaining to government, anyways. Um, so I did have one other, I just, since I talked about my red lines, I want to talk about this one other line. I have another one too. About, uh, I put it, 
when it's the third paragraph in and he talks about having heavy negotiations with Saudi Arabia last year. They're agreeing to spend $450 billion in the United States. And he said it will create hundreds of thousands of jobs. And okay, first off, it's not the federal, the federal government's job to create jobs, period. No. It's not. It's to make sure that there's no... God damn it. What's the word? Roadblocks, I guess, to, to creating jobs. And... You know, especially it's not the federal government's jobs to create jobs in the military industrial complex. And that's the thing that I I think both you and I are pretty passionate about. Military industrial complex? Yeah. Yeah. We don't shout out to Eisenhower, baby. That's the I mean, it's one thing for that to exist, but if your sole client is the federal government, that's essentially a state sponsored industry. Well, I think that if you think about it. I think it's really easy to draw the connection. Not draw the connection, but to see that that's how President Trump sees this country, is that the military is the way to make money. You know, that's what we need to focus on is the military is the most important thing. And if he had it up to, if it was up to President Trump, that's what would be going on. We've seen it even as much as the last two years that he has gone on Thanksgiving to National Guard posts and talked about the brand of the military, yeah. the brand of the National Guard. You know, the brand is doing all this. The military is not a fucking brand. You no. know what I'm saying? That's not how it's supposed it's to not be. Supposed like, to be. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. Like, that's that's that's, that's a problem in its, you know in an in and of its own. However, you say that. But that was another red line that I think, and I you know another point I wanted to hit was you know there is absolutely no conceivable way that these contracts would create hundreds of thousands of jobs. That's, I mean, it's patently absurd to think. No, that. it's not going to increase no. the jobs at those places because they're already Lockheed and, excuse me, Boeing and uh, Raytheon. Raytheon. Yeah, Raytheon, that's what it is. They're already, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, gonna, they might expand a little bit. You right. never know. But, but it's not going to double the size of their company. No. That, that's, like I said, it's patently absurd to say that. It's a complete and utter lie. It's bullshit, but it yeah. sounds good. But we're going to create jobs. Good. And that's, that's his whole, that's been his whole thing this whole time, right? He's going to create more jobs. And we talked about this. Again, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago that the big problem with that is that there, are, the unemployment rate is low as shit, lowest mm -hmm. in a really, really long time, you yeah. know, but wages, they have risen a little bit, but they're still not rising. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Wages are largely still stagnant, you know? That's that's the problem here. It's not that because you can have three jobs, but if you're making seven dollars an hour at all three jobs, you're not still you're still not making making very much money. Now, you know what's what's a seven dollar an hour wage after taxes? It's dick. Like it's five? It is, it's dick. Five and a half, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's not much. No, because I mean you got to think it's about eighteen to twenty percent at least in our state and that's not you know and that's without a state income tax for god's sakes yes huh. 20 i mean just imagine that's it's like a good basis that i run out with you i think it's a little less than 18 depending on what industry you're in if you're somebody that has to pay into like an lni program they that costs a little bit more yeah because you're buying into essentially your own private insurance fund um but you know it comes out to roughly 18 percent of your paycheck is taxed strictly on the federal and state level. But yeah, so that's, yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to hit. I was well, one so more bold faced lie that I So I got there. another one here, right? 
Um, then again, this is a direct quote from this statement um, that he said here. I'll, tr- I'll pull it up so I can try and give it a little bit more reference because um, I don't want to totally don't want to free ball it all the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to mischaracterize it. I want it to be exactly what it is, right? So Panthers this is, are up ten to three. This is yeah, horrible. Um, this is after he says our intelligence agencies continue to assess all information, but it could be very well that the crown prince had knowledge of this tragic event. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Next paragraph. That being said, we never know all the facts surrounding the murder of Mr. Jamal Khashoggi. In any case, our relationship is with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So here's my fucking like, problem wait, with that, button. right? Here's my fucking problem with that, right? When Hitler's in power, should we continue to do business with Germany? Because, well, you know, our shit's with Germany, not with Hitler. Like, yeah. that's that's who our business is with. When Stalin is in power, when fucking Putin is in power in Russia, should we continue to do business with Russia? No, we don't. You know what I'm saying? We don't. For that same fucking reason. It's, that is that is bullshit. It is. That feeds into that same totalitarianism that I was talking about. You know? Well, as long as they're, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's leading the country. It you would know? be one thing if it was a Western democracy. Because you could agree <clears throat> with, say, let's say Prime Minister Theresa May. Her and Trump could have a great relationship. She's not running that whole country. Exactly. Yes. She's an elected official who is a representative of the nation. They're not a monarch. They are not the, you know, in this case, mind you, it's not MBS, Crown Prince, but realistically it is. Yes. You know, technically it's the king who is the monarch of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Specifically when it comes to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, we know that it had to do with him. Yeah. We know that it was him. Yeah. You and know, this when- is why like I threw that statement in orange because in proper context, if it was a different situation, that statement would be true. But because, not but not in this case because mm-hmm. in an absolute monarch, the monarch is the nation. Yeah. And so in this case it's Again, I used the word earlier. It's patently absurd. It doesn't... There's... Our relationship as United States is with the Saudi royal family. Because they are indeed the nation itself. Because it's an absolute monarch. Well, and we also talked about... I think when we talked about Yemen, the connections between Jared Kushner and Mohammed bin Salman, right? And just how sketchy that is. And the Intercept reported when MBS was on his tour of America that Jared Kushner shared some classified information with Mohammed bin Salman from one of the daily briefings from President Trump's, from one of President Trump's daily briefings. And then after that, some, somebody quoted Mohammed bin Salman from saying that Jared Kushner is in his pocket. Yeah. You know, you have the person who is the head, who is spearheading peace in the Middle East, is said to be in the pocket of Mohammed bin Salman, who just murdered somebody who's writing articles about him in the fucking Washington Post. Yeah. Some Putin level, uh, you know, assassinating dissident. You know, you have all these things coupled with, like I said, the president being, oh, well, that's all right. Because either way, you know, we're not dealing with Mohammed bin Salman. We're dealing with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And that's what really matters. You know, but this is the guy that's also said to be spearheading all these new liberal campaigns there. You know, oh, we're going to let ladies drive, you know, and we're going to let them go to sporting events. And, you know, they can do this and they can do that, you know. But keep your fucking mouth shut in the newspaper. Yeah. You know, I just... 
That's ridiculous. And we have a president who is sitting there saying this is okay. You know, that's all right. Because at the end of the day, we're not dealing with him. Well, yeah, because in my mind, you know, the way Trump views the presidency, I mean, it's a lot like uh, the Godfather, man. Yes. Like, that's the way he thinks that the show works. He does not by any means understand the powers of the presidency. No. You know, and that's the same reason that, excuse me, he's always talking about sending the military places, you know, and... That's why I sent all these people down to the border. You know, like that's that's what I'm saying. Like this is not your job. He doesn't have an understanding of what the military is supposed to do, of what he's supposed to do, of what the legislature does, what the judiciary does. He's out here. He's arguing with the chief justice. You yeah. Know, over the role of the Supreme Court, Chief in, Justice Roberts. Yeah. He's yeah. out here arguing with him. They're they're putting out you know whatever op eds and statements and shit back and forth about what the role of the Supreme Court is in the country. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. It like, is. Why Why are we having to explain basic civics to the leader of our country why because we elected a reality tv host. like i can't believe that you know what i'm saying like that like you gotta feel i have to hope and this is not me shitting on anybody personally but i have to hope that if you voted for president trump you feel like a fucking idiot yes because you have to sit back and see i helped elect somebody who doesn't understand his job he hey. doesn't understand how this country works yeah and I think you know, that was a lot – well, for one, that was a lot of uh, his appeal in the beginning. It was, well, he's an outsider. He's going to go in there. He's going to run it like a business. Horrible. Well, he's running it like a shady corporation, you yeah. know, shady corporate business. He's running it like his business. Yeah. Like his business with his dad and all this bullshit. Oh. Skirting taxes, all the fucking nonsense. It's like – it's. It's like a mirror image, man. It's like you maybe After, could have seen this coming had you have seen his taxes before he got into office. Oh, yeah. Fucking man, but they're, weird. They're all under audit, man. It, I know. mean, it's a stack. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many pages he says. Did you, did you, did you actually watch that full last press conference that he did? No. The, like the one where he barred Dave, or Jim Acosta afterwards no. and all that? Whoa, boy. No, but I have that, that, was my, a, I have that in my grab bag. That was a roller coaster. Yeah. But, okay, well, if it's in the grab bag, we'll move on because that sounds awesome. Yeah, because that's pretty much all that I have here for the actual statement itself. Um, oh, I got I, so much more. But it's, but I think that that's yeah. really important, you know. And maybe you can – if there's a way for you to put out this actual – part of it where you've highlighted the things that are true and aren't true and are half true there's a way for you to put that out that would i think be nice for people to be able to see i think i could um, do that on the blog i'll have to check yeah and see i'm not, the even if you have to just screen cap it on your computer and then <gasps> put that picture up you know like yeah. that would be fine so but i think it would be helpful to, for people to be able to see that and you know you can kind of write in there what your key is you know that yellow things are true orange is like half true and this shit that's in red is totally a fucking lie don you are just full of Wonderful ideas today. My brain's pumping the last couple weeks. It's, I got good things cracking. You got that B12 rolling? So, Penny, are you That must be it. I took some B12 this morning. Really? Yeah. Carolina bought this sublingual one. They just put in and they just let it sit there for like five minutes. It's like super awesome cherry flavored. It's really good. I have it every morning along with all my mushroom amalgamations. But like no kidding, I will tell you, it... I feel so much sharper now that I, I take those kind of supplements in the morning. Yeah. <sighs> Neurogenesis is real, bro. It's a real <laughs> thing. You feel like, yeah. Anyways, 
So you ready to move on to uh, Trumpy things? Yeah, let's do That's it. The second uh, topic that we have here. Um, so the first thing that I have, I think maybe the only thing I have for Trumpy things is that I read an article the other day, either on Thursday or Friday, about the Justice Department. Not the Justice Department. It is the House Judiciary Committee led by Goodlatte, Mr. Goodlatte, right? Mr. Goodlatte. Yeah, um, Goodlatte. He from Virginia. Yeah. Congressman. He has subpoenaed James Comey and Loretta Lynch for them to come and speak to Congress about the Hillary Clinton email scandal and the way that it was handled between Loretta Lynch, James Comey, and Horowitz, David Horowitz. And Um, ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. Yes. And James Comey is not happy about it, which I thought was interesting, which I actually kind of got down on, right? That James Comey just is not interested because he doesn't want it to be a closed session. He wants it to be open so everybody can hear what's going on because he says that he has seen the way that things have been leaked and selectively leaked for them to be spun one way or another. He doesn't want that to happen, which say what you want about James Comey. I like that. Yeah, no, he did it really well. It was on Thanksgiving. He tweeted out, happy Thanksgiving, period. Got a subpoena from House Republicans. I'm still happy to sit in the light and answer all questions, but I will resist a, quote, closed door, end quote, thing, because I've seen enough of their selective leaking and distortion. Let's have a hearing and invite everyone to see. Which I totally agree with. I don't. I think that they're, for exactly as they said, there's been so much partisanship and claims from both sides that oh well that's not exactly how that happened and that's not what i said and you know that's out of context and that's whatever put it all out in the open what does anybody have to hide you know don't ask him classified questions because that you have to be done in a a closed hearing you know but most of this stuff people have the right to know so let me before we really get into that much further let me let's break down uh good lap is he Run, did he run for re-election? I don't know. He but did I, not. Oh, right. He's retired. And I knew that he was. I don't. I couldn't. I wasn't yeah. sure if he had run and not won or if he had retired. If he but, is retiring. Yeah, I knew he, he wasn't going to be wasn't the gonna head run. of it when yep. the next when the next session started. And the because this is a a joint session that they're looking for. He called for a joint session between the hey, House up. Judicial Committee and the Wait what up. is it it's the, the it's that long committee. one no it's the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee oh okay who is headed by none other than Trey Gowdy ah, South Carolina oh, he is also retiring exactly right okay this is when you look at it through purely a political lens because i think that's all this is worth at this point yes this is two guys who are on their way out who are trying to cause as much damage as absolutely possible for these two because they feel that they have a vendetta to hit. Yeah. They, they don't feel justice was served. And we can argue about all day about whether or not there was some super shady shit that Loretta Lynch got involved with and possibly Comey and all this stuff. But that's – I don't think that's what this is really about. Which we did on the episode that we did with Casey and Drew. Yes. We actually talked about James Comey and Loretta Lynch. Yeah. So you can go back. I'll try and link to that when I yeah, post the I episode tomorrow. Yeah, because I think Trey Gowdy's big stick up his butt is the tarmac meeting with uh, – Bill Clinton. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Good Lad's big thing is with Comey and the, you know, the way he kind of just 
absolutely railroaded and and went you know he went out of line definitely during the email investigation to come out and say that he was reopening that whole thing and yeah you know he referenced which another thing i think we've talked about in the past that uh, inspector general's report yeah david uh, horowitz is the inspector general yeah that's who i was talking about and so yeah that's this whole thing you know right now the subpoenas are supposed to be for james comey is supposed to appear december 3rd loretta lynch uh december 4th we haven't heard anything from Lynch yet, but James Comey, like I said, he's made that he made that announcement on Twitter, and CNN had reached out to one of his lawyers, and they said they will be fighting the subpoena for a closed door session one in of James court. James Comey's lawyers? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. What did I say? Yeah. You just said his lawyers. I just yeah. James sure Comey. Yeah. James about. Comey's lawyers uh, said they will be fighting the subpoena for a closed door session in court, though they're open to a public session. I think that's a good idea. I think and that's the way to do it. And given the timeline, you fight this subpoena in court and the date passes. They don't they no longer have a job anymore. And the whole thing is dead. The Democrats probably won't do that. Yeah. And the part of another reason why they're doing this is, like you said, they are good lad and Trey Gowdy are not going to be the heads of the of this anymore. They're not going to be congressmen anymore. Yeah. So another thing that the Republicans as a whole are concerned about is the storm of investigations that is likely to come from a Democrat led house, right? It's going to be subpoena central, exactly. bro. Exactly. And so that's why they're doing this now is to kind of get the, like you said, get their last digs in before they yeah. leave to be like, we also can cause noise. You know, yeah. there's also some shady shit that you did that we want to highlight before, you know, because that's all this is, is they're thinking about it. Like you said, about par- party politics, you know, yeah. So they're trying to take digs at anybody who can even be tied to the left or tied to the Democrats, you know, in any type of way. Yeah. And that's all they're doing. And, and Not like all, I because said, I think this is legitimate. But because yeah. I think this is a really good thing to be looked into. But it is. It also, you know. But it is. It's so blatantly a political maneuver. Yes. They found a legitimate hook to use. As yeah. As, you know, they found a sturdy hook to use. And I guess from the sounds of, you know, all the research I did into this, it sounds like they've been trying to do something like this for a while. And they and I don't know how they finally got this to happen at the end, but you know who knows? There's there's going to be such a changeover in in the house that you know they might have had enough people that are like, ah, oh, screw it, yeah, I'm on board, let's do this, yeah, let's try it. You know, and like I said, it's it's a shame because like I said, there I would like to know about all these things, but it's gotten so partisan. This this is all just political bickering at this point, and Absolutely. it solves nothing. How much closer are we to having an actual answer for the DACA problem? How many? How much closer None, are we to having, you know, trying to fix the the failing healthcare system? How we're not? They're not doing anything other than, you know, playing politics with each other. They're all running investigations on each other, and this is, you know, and I think I don't remember if I had brought it up last week. Or a couple of weeks ago, um, somebody at my job the other day was talking because he it's kind of a newer hire and he kind of I turned him on to the podcast and he likes talking about stuff like this every now and again. And he said, you know, somebody and I think it might have come off maybe an, an NPR podcast or something. But the question was raised and about during the healthcare or no, it was before the healthcare debates during like the Tea Party movement, this, that, and the other thing. I remember what it was now. It was the election special from the Daily Wire that I was listening to. Okay. But they talked about earmarks. And stop me if we've talked about this before. Yep. But when the Congress decided to do away with earmarks, I think it was 
after the Affordable Care Act went through, maybe. Could be wrong about that. But regardless, once we kind of decided that earmarks weren't a good thing, we didn't like them anymore because it was just like, let's focus on one bill at a time. Let's do all this. No more earmarks. Effectively stopped Congress from being able to do anything. Because if you can't get your proposal on the floor, you know, think of how many things Derek Kilmer's tried to get put on the floor that just never make it. Yeah. Because it's not a big enough issue. Those things used to be done in earmarks and they might have been able to get approved. But now that there's no such thing as earmarks in these big omnibus bills like that, Congress literally hasn't done a thing since the tax care or the tax cut bill. Yes. You know, that's, that's about it. I mean, they might have done little things here and there, you know, the sanctions and stuff like that. That's all requires congressional <clears throat> action. But realistically, as far as everyday legislation, Ain't shit going to get it done for another at least two years because now it's just going to be infighting again. It's not going to be at a standstill. Well, you have to have like a hefty enough majority you yeah. know, to do it um, because even even with the majorities that the Republicans had in the House and the Senate, they still couldn't get dick done. No. You know, because they fucked themselves over and had to have 60 and all that shit. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just – I don't know. It's – I don't understand. I mean, I understand it, but it pisses me off because the one job that you get paid to do, you're not doing, and all you're doing is getting involved in the drama. Yeah. It's, it feels like high school. <laughs> it does. Like, all this crap just feels like high-stakes high school drama. Yeah. With us as the, you know, the innocent bystanders involved <laughs> in it. But... Yeah, that's any any more Trumpy news. Oh, the uh, the Mueller team has. Uh, I was gonna say, I thought you had something. Yeah, I did have the because uh, I've been trying to just watch this Mueller investigation because I just I keep hearing stories about there's a lot of signs that it's it's starting to wrap up, and I think this might may or may not be. You never really know because the investigation isn't about Trump. As much as he likes to think it's about Trump. Yeah. But um, he did, you know, his legal team and him did submit some written answers to the Mueller team's questions on Tuesday this week, this last week. Yes. And uh, again, he only answered questions that were, you know, related to the, you know, as he would call the witch hunt, you know, stuff about him and his campaign and all this stuff. And so... You know, and then apparently he dodged questions about Comey and this and that and the other thing. So he did submit some written answers. But he didn't answer all the questions? From my understanding, it didn't sound like he answered all of them. Which I don't think he had to. Cause, yeah. You know, so it's, he's not I don't, I don't he know offered if, to answer questions. Yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's been a whole other debate is whether or not he can be subpoenaed to, to answer. But so there's, there's movement on that front. I don't know what it'll come to. Um, there was another uh, one of Roger Stone's. Is it Roger Stone's? Roger Stone? I think so. A, a Trump official, you know, a, a associate, I guess, or something like that. Going yeah. back, he's been tied to, you know, the actual Russia investigation. Um, and he's in, in the middle of a plea deal bargain with the Mueller team. who Or not, not Roger Stone, one of his associates. Um, is in a plea deal with the Mueller investigation too. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're slowly but surely collecting 
you know, tying up loose ends on this thing. And more and more people keep getting subpoenaed and, you know, there's a lot of plea plea deals going on. Well, I saw today that – I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was about to say George Papadopoulos. That's what I was going to say. I just saw that this yeah. morning, yeah, that George Papadopoulos has to show, has to go to jail now. Yeah. Um, I think well, he was on house arrest for a while, but now he has to show up to jail. I didn't read that article. I just saw that that had happened. Well, he uh, – <laughs> it was funny. He came out and said uh, if uh, James Comey was to drop the legal action to fight the subpoena, uh, he would – stop pursuing immunity i was like dude i'm pretty sure it's too late for that i'm pretty sure you're going to jail yeah you're not a big enough player in this bro no not anywhere near enough. <laughs> yeah i saw that i saw that uh yesterday and i was just like bro come on man what an idiot what are you saying he is an idiot that's why you got caught up in this because he's an idiot yeah um Trumpy news, Trumpy news. I think that's about it for my Trumpy news. Word, well, we can hit some some grab bag topics. Uh, I, got, yeah. I got some of those built up. Um, I have a a non political one too. Let's see here. <clears throat> grab bag, grab bag, grab bag. Okay, so there. One of my grab bags was the James Comey <laughs> thing. Okay, so. I have a couple things about Ben Shapiro, right? I've oh, had, I've had a real stick up my ass for Ben Shapiro the last couple of weeks. I've listened to like an episode and a half in the last two weeks. Yeah. So when the shooting at the synagogue happened, right? Like yes. two weeks ago or something like that. One of the episodes about of Ben Shapiro, like right after that happened, he compared President Trump's statement to Barack Obama's statement. And he's like, do you see how this one is so much better and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Okay, Barack Obama's not the fucking president anymore. No. Why does it matter? Why does what he has to say about this shooting even a little bit compare to what President Trump is saying right now? Because Barack Obama is just a person now. He's just a citizen. He's an ex-president. President Trump is the sitting president yep. in the office right now. That's because Why is Barack Obama's statement anywhere near important compared to that? Because when you listen to the Ben Shapiro, Don, the Ben Shapiro show, he – it's a show. <laughs> it is a show. He plays the own the libs game on his show. And if, mind you, when there's really, really important stuff to talk about, if there's a ton of things going on, he usually just hits the facts and moves on. Yeah. You know, maybe sprinkle a little Shapiro, you know, uh, nihilism or I don't know what you want to call it on top of it. But when there's not a whole lot going on, it is all own the libs all the time. It's horrible. And it is and it's it's very distinct. It's a distinctive difference when you listen to his show and listen to him on someone else's show. Yeah. Or yes. listen to him on his Sunday specials. I much prefer him on someone else's show. When yeah. he's on Joe Rogan, that long form Joe Rogan, Ben mm-hmm. Shapiro's awesome. Yep. I love Ben Shapiro on Joe Rogan. But when he's doing his show, yeah. he is a different Ben Shapiro. He it's does a horrible. show and he knows it. And he's, I mean, he said it as much. Uh, that's why I liked when I watched the, the election special from the Daily Wire. Um, I don't like either one of their personalities, any of their personalities for the most part that much. I like Ben more than I like anybody. But then there's like uh, Andrew Clavin, Michael Knowles, and then they always have their, who they call their God King, Jeremy Boring. Yeah. He was a very interesting, well-spoken individual. Um, 
But when the, the four of them get together and they're smoke scars, drinking scotch, except for Ben because he doesn't do any of them. Um, I was going to say what? <laughs> yeah, they all sit around. They drink scars. Michael Knowles and his infinite pretentiousness drink the cigars he sits there in a hugh hefner smoking jacket of course smoke cigars and they all drink whiskey except for ben who sits there in the corner choking on the smoke and drinking water um but that was like that man that thing went for like five hours and they, they have some very very good conversations very like you said joe rogan style long form yeah except it's all politics all the time but when you put him on his show he plays the character that's on his show. It's horrible. And that's why half the time, especially knowing what he is off the show, it's hard for me are. to digest all that crap. I know who you are, Ben Shapiro. I know who you are. We, we, I listen to everything you say. I know what's different and what's not. But I forgot the point I was trying to make there. But in his maybe in his defense, that's just his character on his show, I think, that he plays. and I don't yeah. like it. Because, like I said, I haven't listened to more than an episode and a half, I think, in two weeks. Because as of right now, it's just own the libs, own the libs. I didn't listen to right after that synagogue shooting happened. I didn't listen to the show for a week because I knew that's all he would talk about. And I didn't want to hear his, you know, because as an Orthodox Jew, he's going to be very, very heated about this. And it's going to become anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. Right. Which... As we know from a New York Times article that never got covered, um, anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic hate crimes in New York City have skyrocketed over this last year. And nobody's talking about it. And it's a problem. But the Jews are kind of one of those, you know, unprotected class in the, you know, in that uh, oppression Olympics hierarchy. Nobody really knows what to do with them because they're they're like kind of white and they're relatively successful, but they also have like a very long history of like systematic oppression. Yeah, like nobody really knows what to do with them, so just nobody talks about it. And you know, once that except for the Jews, except for the Jews, they talk about them all the time. <laughs> and that's why I love the Commentary Magazine podcast. Which side note. How happy are you that Sora Mari is no longer a part of that? Yeah, that's pretty great. He got hard. Man, I used I to get so tired of him. You want more beer? Uh, yeah, I could definitely use another beer. That's under my I'm so happy I have a designated driver today. But do you know where he uh, where he ended up going to, Don? No. He is now going to be the editor at the New York Post. Really? Yeah, which is hilarious because if you follow the commentary guys like I do, because they're – if you're into like old man Jewish humor, they're perfect, uh, especially New York old man Jewish uh, humor. It's just tr- the driest, most delicious like dad joke stuff ever, but beautiful. You Boom. I'll take the red hook, son. Thank you. Yep. Uh, but yeah, John Podhorentz, uh, the founder of Commentary Magazine, uh, or his dad or whatever. Yeah, Mr. Mouthbreather. Yeah. He... Uh, actually writes columns for the New York Post and so they were joking around one day and now Sorab is going from having John as his editor at Commentary to now being John's editor over at the New York Post. That's funny. I thought that was hilarious. I've never read anything by Sorab. Actually, I think I did and I wasn't a fan just because of the way that the article itself, but not like Mm -hmm. the way that it was written, but I have 
I've been listening to it long enough. I got guilt tripped into looking at the actual magazine online and reading it. Really? And I hate to say it, but I'm about to pay for an actual no. subscription to that because I really enjoy commentary no, magazine. I really do. You're too. I much. mean, I am a. I don't know what I am these days. I'm just an old New York Jew. It's no, but I enjoy a good conservative magazine. Yeah, no shit. I don't know why. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's maybe that's something we could talk about for a minute. The uh, somebody on the Twitters the other day, we were talking. Uh, it was in a Joe Rogan thread, I think, or a total domination. It's a good one from Ninkasi. The Ninkasi. At a Eugene, Oregon. It's a really pretty color. Ooh, so hazy. Yeah, actually, it's not Zoom that hazy. On that, motherfuckers. <laughs> I could do that. I think. I think I have the technical <laughs> know-how to do that now. Um, but was I? Saying? Oh yeah, these people—they got in an argument on Twitter. They were talking about Joe Rogan went off on a rant about. I think it was when he was talking to Eric Weinstein about. Oh yeah. Eric Weinstein had an amazing tweet. I think I added you on it. About the weed. Yeah. And I thought it was important. But anyways, it was involving a kind of a rant that he went off with. I think it was Eric when he was on the show last week about how, you know, they know a guy or we know a guy who kind of essentially just is – they think he's confused when it comes to – he's still kind of involved in the the picking of your own softball team. Mm -hmm. You're going from one team to now you're on the other team. And these guys were trying to say that, like, it, nope. it was code for Maybe. Dave Rubin because Dave Rubin has become such an outspoken, you know, he calls himself a classical liberal, but realistically, he screws around a lot with the libertarian ideals. And so he's like trying to find a team to kind of belong to. And I don't really necessarily. I think, I think classical liberal and libertarian have a lot of overlay. Oh, definitely. I think are, you know. In the in the Venn diagram of political ideolo- ideologies, there's definitely a lot of overlaps there. It's like classical liberalism is libertarianism that makes more sense. You know, like yeah. there's a bunch of shit and libertarianism that you come to and you're like, I, I don't know, just because. You yeah. know, like there's a little more Freedom. Like, like reason behind. Yeah, just like because I, I, I'm a person and fucking nobody can tell me what to do. You it's know? the it's then, the Wild West version of America. Yes. This yeah. is. So this I is don't, what Red Dead Redemption Two has instilled in me. <laughs> no kidding. It honestly, like in the pre-show, we, I said, you know, there's a lot of values and stuff that are hidden in that game. And you ever seen the movie? It's a Kevin Costner, Robert Duvall. It's called Open Range. <coughs> it's called Open Range. Yeah, mm. great cowboy movie. <laughs> yeah, but essentially, great. it it focuses kind of like in Red Dead, how like there's this this last group of like people that. Moved out west, like outlaws, where everything was just basically free. Yeah, you just kind of made it work because civilization hadn't necessarily caught up yet. And in like in Red Dead, you're at that moment where like the trains are here. There's, I mean, there's power lines going up. Yeah. There's telegraph wires. I mean, their civilization is here, and the the days of true libertarian style freedom, where nobody could really tell you what to do. Unless you belong to a mini town or a city or something where you decided they all came up with the rules. Yeah. But libertarianism at its true heart is it's the Wild West. It's like you can't tell me what to do. And as long as I'm not hurting you, 
you better fuck off because I'm a libertarian. Right. I don't need a seatbelt if I drive. I don't need a driver's license. I can drive my car just fine. I know plenty of people with driver licenses who are terrible drivers who shouldn't be on the road. I don't need to register like, with the government for anybody to know that I exist. Yeah. It's a real uh, – also been watching a lot of King of the Hill lately. It's real <laughs> Dale Dribble stuff, man. I don't trust computers. So I have another one about Ben Shapiro. That happened last week after Amazon announced the two cities that it was going to put its headquarters in. Yeah. Did right? we mention that? Um, I don't know. But Crystal Crystal City and Virginia. Northern Virginia, yeah. and which I guess is pretty close to the, the home of Jeff Bezos. And then one in New York City. Right? Yeah. And Long Island City, which I'm intimately familiar with. Um, and so when that happened, Ben Shapiro went over that, right? And it got I think me I super to heated to listen to that because he gave a really disingenuous synopsis of several things, but one of them of the head tax, right? Gave just a terrible overview of what oh, it was. Yeah. And then went in about um, why Amazon doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore and why they're leaving and all this shit, which is not, not explained to be true. I mean, that's really not how it looks. Um, and then just, you know, barely explained the housing crisis, didn't talk about, you know, didn't, didn't go over any of the negative things that people point to about Amazon in this area, you know, and only pointed all the glowing things. And it's like, well, and it's just that way in the Northwest because they're fucking liberals and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Know? That's not exactly the case. Yeah. First um, of all, to try to even explain that in his show is just about an hour. Yeah. If you were to take that entire hour and try to explain that system, you might be able to do that if you spoke at Ben Shapiro's speed and, you know, had his, you know, the way he hits facts really, really quick and all that. Yeah. But he did not do that. It no. was totally disingenuous. It was utter garbage I was and nonsense. Happy about that. I was so pissed because this is obviously a thing that we have looked into extensively. We had like that whole show about it. We had like yeah. an hour and a half conversation about the fucking head tax. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Yeah. No, I feel I like we talked about it twice. Show. We because we talked about it briefly, and then yeah. the next week we had a whole deal about it. That's like right. that was what we talked about that week. I think that's when we first started getting into like the main segments idea. Um, yeah, because we had done like yeah. three before that, but this is when we're like two is two is the key. Mm. Two in the grab bag is is the key. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I wasn't a fan of that, um, and then I was listening to the Mediator podcast. Right. Yes. And they were talking about. A guy that they knew or had heard about that was a vegan, right? Okay. But he was also a hunter. Interesting. But he just donated all the meat. Oh. Like he would hunt something and then would just donate all the meat, right? Still can't be vegan. <clears throat> That's fine. And so... It, well, I, so I agree you, with so what you're yeah. doing, but oh, you're... Oh, vegetarian. Sorry. I have okay. vegetarian right now. So he's not a vegan. Sorry. So he's a vegetarian um, that hunts and then donates the meat. Right. And so they had this conversation about it because Stephen Ranella was like, said, I just have some type of like fundamental type of problem with that, that I don't really know what it is. You know, he's like, but that you're out there to be hunting animals and to not be claiming the meat, you know, he's like, because that's like part of my whole deal. Mm -hmm. And they had someone on there who is like a guide. And he said, he said, there's been people I've had out before that he said, I'm not saying that's the case with this vegetarian guy, right? He said, but I've had people out with me before that I've guided with and I got the sense from them that they enjoyed more the killing aspect 
than like the protein meat like hunting aspect of it. And he said, and I haven't asked them back because I don't like that outlook on it. Yeah, you know. And I just thought that was really interesting. Like, it is because I think if you're gonna have, I mean, if you want to be a hunter for whatever reason and enjoy the sport of the tracking and the skill that it takes to do a hunt, and oh you give the God. animal reverence enough i can see how like i wouldn't have a problem with that as long as the meat isn't being wasted and yeah like you know that's fine um but i can understand somebody like steve ranella who is more personal you know having kind of a mental block about it um i can he you know both sides i think are justified yeah you know as long as you're not going i mean like i said as long as the hunt is done with due reverence to the kill (laughs) Then I think it's there's no harm, no foul. He also said, and he was like, maybe this makes me kind of a bad guy, you know? He's <laughs> like, but I just don't trust it. You know, he's like, there's something off about someone just wanting to donate 200 pounds of meat. You know, he's like, that's just, he's like, there's just something off about it. Like that you're taking your own personal money to go out there and hunt it, you know, and assuming you're doing the processing yourself, you know, and you're buying all the ammo or the arrows and shit, like you're taking all of this cost out of yourself. And then you just donate it. Mm-hmm. You know what he's like? like, and that just, he's like, that it just seems, seems off to me for some reason, you know? Yeah, it's but, like having a hobby with no real payoff. Yeah. Other yeah. than the adrenaline of killing that animal, maybe. <laughs> and that's why the guy was talking about it. He's like, it's like, there's the people I haven't asked back, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't want someone who's out there just because they want to kill stuff. Yeah. He's like, that's not right. But I thought it was real interesting. I'm going on a, I don't know how long technically it's, it's going to be. That I'll actually be out there, but I think it's going to be a nine-day hunt next Shit. year, the end of October, going up to the kind of like north, you know, definitely northern Washington. It's kind of northeastern Washington, but we're getting tags for elk, deer, bear, and cougar, just in case we find a cougar, of course. But get. yeah, but it's going to be a nine, a full-on week-long, you know, a little bit more. Pack in, you know, pack all the food in, all the water, all that good stuff. Going to go out and get as much meat as we possibly can. Yeah. Um, next um, next year. You're going to let me give it some of that? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a really big chest freezer at the house, as you know. But most of it's full of, like, cow and stuff from our slaughtered cows. Delicious but I'm going to have to power <clears throat> through some of that stuff and make room for a... Uh, Hopefully an elk. Well, we'll help you anytime. Jordan loves steak. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we love a good steak. Yeah. We actually cooked some uh, some game meat on Thanksgiving. Did I tell really? you about that? You guys have a goose? Yeah, we had a goose. Uh, we had a goose, a turkey for, you know, a, a store-bought turkey. Standard style. Yeah, we did have a goose that my brother shot uh, two weeks ago. Nice. I think it was two weeks shot ago. Shot our Chad. And then we also had some venison that he had also got. Shout out Chad. Yeah. And that was, man. He's out here blasting. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, man. His his girlfriend, um, oh a wonderful human being, who she is, but she lived her whole life. She never ate, you know, she doesn't eat beef. She doesn't eat pork. What's happening on the It was absurd. Game? Chris Carson, oh, he tried to jump over now. somebody. Tried to jump over somebody. Mm-hmm. And he got tackled and literally did a flip in the middle of the air <laughs> and then landed on his feet in one hand and got up and kept running. Yes. Look, look at it. Look at it. Oh, so, look, look, so look, a flip. Look, look. So the flip. Oh. So all the way flip. One hand. Knees, lands it. Oh, is the knee down? I think that it was, but he's still, he's like, what's good? 
Yeah. And gets up and still tries to keep going. Always play it safe. Keep running. What the fuck? Always keep running. Absurd, dog. Until that ref blows a whistle and ends the play, you keep running. Chris Carson's good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Chris Carson's good. That's some straight up Dougie Fresh jumping over people on the yeah. for field goals type yeah, of stuff. I like that. I love it when that happens. Oh, but yeah, really excited. Uh, hopefully, this time next year, I will be flush with game meat. Flush with flush. game meat. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I got to talk to some more game wards about it. But and Because he, he had talked to a, a, a guy the other day. Um, I guess it's kind of a gray area. You're not, I guess in certain parts of Washington, you're not supposed to bait bears. Yeah. Well, but, that's kind of a moral thing. Like, yeah, right. Unless you're really in, on it. I can see it like if, if that's your only food supply and you have a reliable source of food, I'm down with baiting bears. Yeah. But um, but from my understanding, there's kind of a gray area out there right now where if you hunt a deer or an elk or something or something else and you leave the, the gut pile there, mm. that can be used, classified as a bait. And you are allowed then, I think... That's why I said I got to hammer this stuff out because, you know, I might be interested in that. Because have you ever had bear meat before? No. It's fantastic. Is it? Yeah. I'm down. I've had, I had bear when I was in Russia. On my 18th birthday. Why not? Why not? It tastes from the experience that I had with bear. Mind you, it was at a restaurant in Russia. Yeah. But it tasted like pot roast. Hmm. It was dark meat, kind of. Perfectly tender and stringy. It was fell off the bone. It was fantastic. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully next year I'll be flush with game meat. Uh, what else you got in there? Um, so let's see. I also have Mehdi Hassan, right? Mehdi Hassan, who does the Deconstructed podcast that is oh, the offshoot. Yeah. <laughs> that waste of so, mouth breather. So I like... Mehdi Hassan to the effect that when he interviews somebody, he don't take no shit. Mm-mm. You know, he's going to be up your ass about anything you said that is not correct and making you explain it. And I really like that about Mehdi Hassan. And really? I've, and I've seen him. Yeah, you not to, correct or not well, so correct you, with his narrative. So you have to, you got to look up videos, right? Because uh-huh. on his show, he only has people that are against him that he's, that he's attacking, you know? Yeah. But in the videos, like on YouTube and stuff, he's been around for so long that he's talked to people on all manners of the spectrum, and that's how you can kind of get a better idea of who he is. You Has know? he basically always kind of worked for the Intercept? No, no, no. He used to work for like Al Jazeera, I think, and like some other shit. So he's worked for several different places, but has always had always been the same type of way, and that's where it's easier to be more comfortable with him because yeah, yeah it's. A lot of the shit that yeah, his on his hasn't show changed. is crazy. No. Yeah. So, but if you get him with the right person, you know, his shit makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, there's some people, like you said, the narratives that he pumps just doesn't really, well, doesn't yeah, there was, doesn't make a lot of sense. I think the last episode I listened to with him, he oh, was, that's, bullshit. that's a fucking teeter. I mean, he was blatantly just shitting all over the way we have a judicial system in America with the Supreme Court and federal judges. That's a fucking teeter, dog. What Yo. the fuck? Are they not calling That's it? a fucking that teeter. Tyler? Tyler Lockett? Look at this shit. Look. Look at that. And over the plane, that's a fucking teeter. He's in, baby. That's a touchdown. Review the play. That's bullshit. We need to get ahead here. It's 10 to 13. That's bullshit. Come on. Sorry. We're like five minutes into the third quarter here. 
He's oh. good, dude. He's his, good. Yeah, because his knees are down in the end zone. And, but that's fine. He hasn't been tackled. He's down to catch the ball. Yeah, no, yep. he's fucking good. He's totally fine. That's gold. That's bullshit. That's right, challenge. That's fucking right, challenge. That's gold. So they called it not a touchdown? Yes. Fuck that line judge. <sighs> yep. All right, we're going to have to wait. Lock it. TV commercial break for the challenge. Old T-lock. I love when we can do, like, mini commentaries of games while we do the show. <laughs> Just because it allows me to actually watch the game a little bit. Yeah. I have such a hard time watching football now. Okay. I so, just can't fit it in. Anyways, so this guy. On, um, a couple weeks ago, he was talking to somebody who used to be a white supremacist, right? Okay. And he has a group, and I can't remember what the group is called, but I'll go back. I'll listen to it. Fact check. I'll go and find it. Um, and I'll listen to that group again, and I'll tweet it out. And so he belonged to a group that was fighting to counter white supremacy. Right? Okay. And he was part of a group of of 30 other groups that are all different charities doing different social shit. And that's all I have to re-listen to it and get a better idea. Cause I wrote it down really generally. Right. But this guy was and a white supremacist or he used to, used be, to be white supremacist. And now he fights against white supremacy. Right. Okay. And he leads a charity that fights against white supremacy. Okay. And so he's part, that charity is part of some group that's recognized by the government. That's of like 30 or so other charities that all do social shit, right? Okay. So that got reviewed when President Trump came into office. And his group, his charity is the only one in that group of 30 whatevers that got its funding cut. Oh. The one that actively fights against white supremacy. Interesting. And so that's one of the things that people use to say that Trump is a racist and a white supremacist. Is these people whose job it is, who's made it their job to fight against white supremacy... They had their funding cut under the Trump administration. It's more legitimate than that. That's yeah. why I said it's very general. I'll send it to you because it's more legitimate than just what I'm saying here. There's yeah. way more that goes no, into I mean, the back I can, of it. I can surely see that happening. Well, and I'm not saying that says that he's a racist, but it certainly doesn't look very good that yes. this is the only group in this. Yeah, because I would imagine it's probably that. some – just because <laughs> – just kind of going off of what we know of T-Dog Millionaire. Yeah. And – I know, I know. We used to have this thing about talking about President Trump, President Trump, but I have a hard time saying that all the time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when you look at Trump, the way he talks, the way he wants to run things, I could see him just wanting to cut all spending to any kind of charity groups, and so I would imagine him finding some one, some random loophole to find one guy that was like, well, hey. We're cutting your funding. I wonder what it's the a touchdown. Boom. It's a fucking touchdown. T-Rock in the end zone. It's a fucking touchdown. That puts the that puts the Hawks ahead of the Panthers. Yep. Yep. It's about to be seventeen thirteen. I'm in a real struggling spot in fantasy this week. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to me about struggling spots, dude. Yeah. My backup. My yeah. My secondary quarterback just broke both his leg bones. Yeah. Compound fracture on the field the other day. Yeah, he did. Oh, man, that was – I don't know why. I knew when I pulled up that video because I didn't watch the game. It was bad. So I saw the IR report hit on my fantasy thing, and I saw a big fat zero there. And so I went and I YouTubed it, and I cringed so hard. I watched it one time, and I saw this rubber leg flopping around on the field. And I said, nope. I – Nope. But what a trooper, though. Got the air cast on like that, and he was yeah. totally composed going off the field on the cart. Props to Alex Smith. Hopefully, he still has a job pretty soon. Um, I think that it's all that I have for the for the grab bag. So, I had mentioned it earlier. 
But let's talk about Black Friday for a second. Yes. Do you participate in the glorious phenomenon that is Black Friday? Fuck no, I hate people. Me too. Oh, Jim Acosta, I got that too. We can talk about Oh, that. yeah. Yeah, because I haven't. I haven't really been following that. Yeah. No, I fucking hate people. I definitely don't go out on Black Friday. I went it's to a nightmare. the Mexican place and watched the Civil War. Um, but that's huh? it. The Ducks won. Uh, the Civil War oh. is when Oregon plays Oregon State. And the first time they did it was in like 1898 or some such shit. And uh, the Ducks won this year 55 to 15. It was a smashing and it was beautiful. It was a smashing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on that note, I was listening to NPR on the way over here because I am officially an old man who <clears> likes <throat> to listen to NPR all the time. Me too. Um, pound. But they were talking about the – I didn't know this happened. The During the – was that Apple Cup, the Huskies-Wazoo game? Okay. It always goes down. Um, the bus that was carrying the UW band crashed. Yes. And all the people had to go to the hospital. It sounds like it sounded like everyone's okay. Which is good. But the Wazoo band decided to last minute go in. They they pulled up the sheet music from uh, for the UW fight song. Yeah. And they actually played the UW fight song Every that song in reverence. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. really cool. I thought that was, I mean. Very nice. The rivalry between those two schools is very, very real. It's deep. I feel it in my office all the time because most of, uh, you know, I work with a lot of civil engineers. Yeah. And, of course, to be a civil engineer, you got to go to college. So, the majority of them either went to UW or WSU. And so, there's this huge rivalry even at my job. I'm and happy I'm not involved in that. Me too. You know, my mom, I think, went to Wazoo. My grandfather went to UW. And they have a rivalry between yeah. the two of them. But that was a really cool thing I heard on NPR on the way over here this morning. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, and if we lived in Oregon, I'd be in bad shape, you know. <laughs> An Oregon State band is rare around here. It just doesn't really happen that much. Yeah, you guys are kind of a an eclectic small group. Yeah. Well, Oregon itself has a fair amount of fans up here, but Oregon State, the Beavers don't have as many fans up here. Yeah. So it's an easier existence. Mm -hmm. um, but like Corvallis, which is where Oregon State is, and Eugene, which is where Oregon is, are only like 44 miles from each other. See, like, that's a tough really one. They're really pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're you know, doing anything in between the two. You're going to see a bunch of people who, you know, who are wearing Oregon State shit. It's well, do you gross. know much about Oregon State? What are you, like... Like the, the state, state of, of Oregon? Oregon? Um, I mean... There's a whole lot of know. desert there. We'll say yeah, that. Yeah, And so I would imagine, yeah, like any big hubs of, you know, civilization got to be pretty close to kind of like that northwest corner. Yeah. You know, the... And that makes sense that they'd be that close now that I think about the, right the geography of it all. You drive past Corvallis on your way to Eugene. <laughs> There's not that. And that Eugene's not that far from Portland. No. And Portland's like no. right there when you go across the bridge. Yeah. You know, that's that's a pretty – I like that rivalry. We had one back when I went to high school because there used to only be one North Kitsap High School. It was back before Kingston High School was even a thing. And our big rivalry was Bainbridge. Because we were... With know, Bainbridge we were like, High School? Yeah, because they're like 15, 20 minutes away. And we had a ton of rivalry between the two of us. And I think to this day, that's probably one of the reasons why I have such a love-hate relationship with Bainbridge Island. <laughs> you know, they got class. Just a bunch of douches out there on Bainbridge. Yeah. They got a bunch of class and a bunch of money. <laughs> bunch of class. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so let's talk about Black Friday. Yes. Uh, you and I don't participate necessarily in the madness of Black Friday. No. I, I get deals online if I can, but I'm not leaving the house to go to Walmart. Yeah, That's, buy some stuff online if uh-uh. I have money. But uh, I saw a – actually, it was brought to me by a very close member of my family – um, tried to tell me that Black Friday was dated back to the slave trade. And so I decided that. Really? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, sure, man. I'll just nod because I don't want to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I never heard that before. And so I looked it up and it is kind of vague. No one 100% knows where it came from. But the most kind of logical explanation dates yeah. back to i think the early 50s and 60s in philadelphia mm-hmm. when the philadelphia pd had to start taking extra shifts in days where they usually would have had days off <clears throat> because of the massive influx in suburban consumers that would flood the streets and they'd have to deal with much more shoplifting and just you know disorderly conduct and all the craziness that came with it they started to coin the day as Black Friday. Well, and I guess I thought that it came from, like, companies are trying to get into the black. You know, like, you're using yeah. this to get from the red to the black. And I guess I thought that's what this and, was. Yeah, and that um, is another common accents. one. But that really didn't come into existence, I think, until the late 80s, early 90s. Interesting. Um, and so that's, like, right now, it's kind of a... I think it's much like like many of our fake-ass holidays that we have. Yeah. They just kind of – we just kind of determine that, okay, no, this is a thing that we do now. It's a weird phenomenon that just kind of happens. And I don't think it was ever really orchestrated. And for whatever reason, that term got coined <clears throat> and is now kind of just the day. However that happened. Yeah. And even though that, you know, there is no – factual context that date back to the days of the slave trade or anything states like california have decided to push you know to call it things like just the day after thanksgiving sale and yeah because they don't you know it's california they don't want to be racist yeah you know because you can't say the word black anymore without being racist apparently racist af yeah Wait, so I, that was week. just a you know and i've seen that rolling around they um on the internet now, on the in the Twitterverse, in the the Facebook world, these random people that post this thing about Black Friday, and you know, you have your SJWs and stuff that are trying to stand on this thing, and all you got to do is go to Snopes, and it'll shoot you right down. It'll tell you, and then you can do your own. You can find your own rabbit hole to crawl into, and find as much information as you want about that. But Black Friday is not racist. Just leave it alone. It's, it's just not. a stupid hallmark type holiday that you know is driven by money from you know people that make a lot of money last week dave used the term the blacks i don't know if you caught that he did he's and i like it it caught me aback just for a second because i don't know the last time that i heard someone use the term the blacks right and so then i was like that's not racist though that's just like a so, I mean, certainly not with intent, you know, like it would, I can, I can see how someone would be like, that's racist, but I don't think personally that it is. Um, 
But I thought it was just really interesting. It like my, how I dealt with it personally, you know, I was like, that's really strange. If that's not a generational gap, I don't know what is. Yeah, because I don't think that if I was to describe the African-American community, I would ever use the term the blacks, you know. And I'd also, no. I also don't say African-American every time because you're also black. Like, that's like whatever. But I also think that – and this is a totally a personal thing. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar lately right lots of kendrick lamar he's got some one of these songs yeah i think um yeah when he says original stole it from nelly um when he says that he's an israelite oh is usher thank you jordan thank you (laughs) he's it shows me how involved I was in that situation he says uh i'm an israelite don't call me black no more that shit is only a color. Um, and I thought that that was really interesting. And then I think, you know, that same week that I like recognized that line is also the week that Dave is like the blacks. And yeah. I, I just thought, hmm. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird kind of holdover what back is, from what, what and I mean, it still happens in today's like, you know, it with in the PC age where you have to give everybody some kind of, ethnic denomination like yeah. you're asian american you're african-american you're pan-asian american and that's what i thought was maybe that's just too pc for me to be like is the blacks okay it yeah. obviously didn't make me uncomfortable enough to be like well maybe i gotta bleep this out what's in here because dave said the blacks you know yeah well, and i've also in- sat here and said it 30 times while we're talking about it yeah, so right. it doesn't make me too uncomfortable but the first time i heard it it's because in true context it makes in context it he's just referencing a group of people. Yeah. And not in a derogatory fashion. He was just, just speaking in a way generally. I do it myself. Yeah. And I think at least at least for me, I just I don't see I see futility in judging groups because regardless of what they are. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're talking about, you know, the quote unquote group of African Americans in America. Okay, first of all, there's no way you can actually group any of those people, you all know, all those people, people all together yeah. to, to have one thing in common, and that's their, you know, their ethnic background. What does that have <laughs> to do with anything? Who gives a shit? It drives me insane. The only thing I care about is what you got going on up here in the old noggin <clears throat> and what the hell's coming out of your fucking mouth. Yeah. That's it. That's all I care about. I will judge you accordingly. And how, you know, how you act and move in society. It doesn't matter. I mean, for God's sake, I, you know, I married a Spanish woman. That was, you know, that was my bad. I took that <laughs> burden on. I'm just kidding. That I was love my you, sweetheart. Bad. Uh, That's but, funny. you know, I just, I don't, <laughs> it just doesn't make any logical sense to me to have, to think about that kind of crap when it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean... Okay, so I'm a white guy. Done. That's well, that's a pretty broad group. Better narrow it down. Okay, I'm a tall white guy. No, that doesn't work either. So let's let's narrow down my ethnic background. Well, the problem is I'm a white guy. I could have a billion different backgrounds because there's a lot of white people in the world. Yeah. You know, and they're all spread out all over the world. And guess what? The same is true with black people. There are there are black people all over the world from. You know, there's black people in South America, in 
Mexico and, you know, all over Africa, all over Europe. The same thing with, um, say, like, we'll just generalize, say, people from the southern Asian part of the continent. So, like, uh, you know, there's the Middle East and there's kind of, I don't know if you call that the Near East, the Far East, kind of like India, Pakistan, Mongolia, that kind of area. I mean, they're all over. The, it's a big fucking world it, and it's 2018, bro. <laughs> all of us are all over the place. And I think it's futile and it serves no purpose to categorize people by ethnicity by for whatever you're talking alone. about. It just doesn't make any sense because it doesn't tell me anything about who you are as a human fucking being. Yeah. But I'll step off my high horse. Don't look at that Dallas Redskins game, bro. It's important for sports. Very well. Well, I have a really quick non-political piece of uh, grab bag news. Let's hear it. Uh, scientific news, if you will. <laughs> scientific news. Monday. Big Monday, the day this podcast drops. So if you're listening to Tuesday late in the game, it happened. Um, no, we have a new Mars lander landing down on Mars. Oh. It is the Insight lander, which I just thought was a cool name. When did it get Insight. launched? When did it get launched? Six months ago. Word. So it is, Insight. yeah, the, uh, so the newest NASA Mars lander is set to, set for touchdown on the surface of Mars Monday. The Insight lander will be the first NASA probe to land on Mars in six years, scheduled to end its six month 300 million mile journey at approximately 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday. Now, this this was kind of a just a fun fact, but Insight is actually an acronym. I thought it was just a cool name because it sounds cool for space I'm stuff, sure but it is. stands for Interior Exploration Using Seismic Investigations, Geodesy, and High or Heat Transport. So essentially, it's going to be digging into the surface of Mars, doing some study on the the seismology, and I guess they're going to try to get an understanding of how the core is working, and it's supposed to kind of give us a better comprehension of how rocky planets formed, which also includes our rocky planet. So kind of a cool thing. But Monday, you know, you might have heard or seen some of these articles come on people's news feeds or whatever that the uh, the quote-unquote seven minutes of terror that are going to happen on Monday. And I guess that's the seven to eight minutes it takes for the rocket to actually make entry and actually land. When and it then, can crash and shit. Yeah. And yeah. so we won't really know 100% whether all's good for seven minutes, seven to eight minutes. Science is weird, dude. Yeah, it we is. were able to, you know, like uh, track it for six months and 300 million miles. But once it gets there, there's like seven or eight minutes where we're just fucked. You know, well, we because, just can't hear shit. That's just so weird. Well, the way it works is... It's so far away, it's an eight-minute communication lag between Mars and Earth, right? Mm. Uh, And if you're an avid sci-fi fan, you would know that because it's in some of our more contemporary sci-fi these days, like The Expanse, but uh, which makes communication and obviously it would make manual control of a landing very, very difficult. Yeah. And so everything about this landing is completely pre-programmed and it has to all go... Very, very specifically according to plan. Otherwise, shit can go haywire and it's going to crash land. But the coolest thing about this is Wired, the outlet Wired, will be broadcasting the entire event live online. And there's even local events happening even in our own Seattle area, the the Pacific Science Center on Monday. 
going to have a whole live event following the whole thing. They're going to have live feeds from the control rooms. And I don't know if there's going to be any visual stuff. I'm kind of hoping so, but I doubt it. That's kind of cool. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I'm a sucker for all this real life sci-fi stuff. So I wanted to bring that into my grab bag. <laughs> um, did you have any pop culture news before we get to sports? Um, I don't think news. I watched The Incredibles 2. Mm. It was fucking really good. Incredibles 2 was awesome. So that is that on video now? It is. Did yeah, you? we watched it on Amazon. Okay. Because um, I really want to watch that. Yeah, we rented it for like $3. It was awesome. Incredibles Beautiful. 2 was totally worth $3. It was so good. I can't wait. Yeah, because um, I'm going to rewatch the first one too. Because I really love the first one. And then... <coughs> Maybe did we watch any other movies? No. I don't really think so. It's Thanksgiving. It's a busy time. Yeah. No, I talked about all those movies I watched last week uh-huh. when we were at Dave's. I think that's pretty much it. I did not really do that much. Dang, I might have watched. This is like might be the first time I watched more me, more movies than you. Yeah. I watched on Thanksgiving. After dinner, we watched uh, the Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Which is probably my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Biscuit likes that movie a lot. It's good. Good for Biscuit. He quoted it during the Century Club. Um, It's gold. It's gold. Yeah. I love that movie. We watched that right after, kind of as we were having, we're all sitting there, you know, our pants are unbuckled and we're all dying because we ate too much food. And so, for whatever reason... Well, that's what I thought, but we determined since Thanksgiving dinner was officially over, Thanksgiving was over so we could break into Christmas time. And so we watched that. It's not even, it's not even December yet. <laughs> this is true. But my Christmas tree is already up. Really? Mm-hmm. For reasons. That's not good. Well, the family was here, so we had to ah. put it up and take some pictures. You know what I mean? All right. Well, that makes sense. But, uh, yeah, we did that. We watched that. And then right after that, like, my mom went to bed and stuff. And me and my cousin and my brother, his girlfriend, Carolina, and I, it was it was only like – I don't know, 7, 7 o'clock, 7.30. And everybody was just done from drinking all day and eating tons of food. But yeah. we put on the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. <sighs> Dude, I can't get over how much better that one is than the second one. Yeah. It's so much better. Yes. It was so good. They're like the comedic outlet for the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And I'm just not a huge fan of that. I mean, I guess that's kind of how they are in the comics. I never really read Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, me neither. But... But the first one, I think, had a much better balance between, like, serious action and comedy. The second one was just way too much comedy. Way too much jokes. Way too much. Too many yucks. Yeah. You know? Way too many. And I think it was because of Groot. Little baby Groot. Yeah. Little baby Groot's just too hard to not have and fun with. And then teenage Groot, you know? Yeah. Teenage Groot's kind of funny, though. He's just kind of like a prick. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I like just, that. It's just this adolescent, like, leave me alone. I'm playing my video game. Yeah. I'm Groot. I'm Groot. Really funny. <laughs> But the uh, the day after Thanksgiving, because we stayed the night over at my mom's house, uh, we came in and we watched Speed was on TV. About the bus? Yeah. Okay. The, yeah, the original Sandra Bullock, Dennis Hopper, you know, Keanu little Reeves. baby face Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That movie's so awesome, though. Yeah. So I've never good. seen that movie, but I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? I know that much about it. I've You've never, never seen, seen Speed? <laughs> I've never seen oh. it. Oh. Dude, Speed is a great movie. So you ever seen Bob's Burgers? Oh, yeah. Is that what it is, Bob's Burgers, where he makes the models and shit, and he has one that's the bus from Speed? 
Probably. Is that I think that it's Bob's Burgers. He has like hella models and stuff that he does when he has his own free time. And one I of them, think so. One of them is the bus from Speed. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. It's been I a while since I watched Bob's Burgers. I think that's what it is, especially since King of the Hills on Hulu. And it's kind of like King of the Hill. I like King of the Hill. I always did when it was yeah. on TV. I've I've de- I've come to a determination now. God damn it, Bobby! King King of the Hill, the like the main guy, I guess, is Hank Hill, right? Yeah, and when it comes to people that are like positive role models. In entertainment or, you know, just Hollywood in general, just people in general, even, you know, you have people that are like good role models, right? Yeah. But no one is like 100% good role model. Right. Because we're all people. Hank Hill is like 75% a good role model. He's up there. He's pretty good. He made, and I think that's pretty good for people. He made Bobby smoke a whole carton of cigarettes. He did. Time. I just watched that episode last yeah. week. That's, I'll definitely do that with my kid. I smoked way too many cigarettes. Oh, you like cigarettes? Let's smoke a whole fucking carton of cigarettes. I'll drop $100 on a lesson. Let's do it. Oh, make them sicker than crap. Yep, let's do it. You throw up right now in the yard. And then he made him hose it out of the yard, too. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So the last little bit of pop culture news. Yes. The rapper Takashi69. You know yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brother's going to jail. Oh, yeah. Oh, doesn't so, he, like, had a video of, like, a like a 13-year-old blowing a guy? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was just... That was earlier. <laughs> this is the latest. About. Yeah, this is the latest and greatest. He's now in federal custody on racketeering and firearm charges. What? Yeah. On some Lil Wayne shit? Yeah, law enforcement also arrested uh, his associates, Kifano Jordan... A.K.A. Shooty and Shooty or Shoddy, 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 and then also his other guy Ish and Crippy. Word. Either way, so but they're stupid. all they're all going down. Those are all dumb fucking names for yeah. what do they do. Uh, it's all connected to the racketeering and firearms charges. Mm. Um, the details of the rest are not clear at this time, ah. but brother going away. Brother going away. F- What's well, good? Just don't, don't really get into that crap, man. Fucking thirteen-year-olds. So. Yeah, yeah. That because as I was reading, because I don't know anything about this guy. I hate all this new shit. These motherfuckers. Yeah, and so I started reading, it and it was like you get down to the article, and it's like then it starts talking about all this other stuff he did before. You're like, yeah. oh, this guy's just a straight piece of garbage. Yeah. So that's my little. You know, contribute to pop culture in the in the rap world. No, I don't like all these new fucking weird people like Takashi Six Nine, and there's like a kid named Lil Xan or some shit, and I just I don't like that. You know, babe, what are some other these new weird people? You can't think of any of their names off the top of your head. No, no. Nope. Well, <laughs> people like that. I'm not a. Just, yeah, yeah. I mean, just don't like hate Lil on Yachty. Lil Yachty. I like Lil Yachty. I like yeah. Lil Yachty. I do. Tyler calls him, Tidal calls him Lil Yachty. <laughs> Lil Yachty. <laughs> Come on, Tidal. Get a little so class stupid. there, buddy. You know what a yacht is. They have all kinds of... <laughs> you know what a yacht is. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so gold. I just had That's to. That's funny. Oh, I'm sorry, Tidal. I love you, man. You know what a yacht is. It just... <laughs> that's oh my god that's gold that's a good one you just can't softball them in like that I bro. hope Tidal listens to this me that too was gold. I like that a lot I hope Tidal <laughs> listens to this just because so, I like listeners <laughs> <laughs> so I only have a couple of things when it comes to sports sports um, 
when I was sick, I forgot to do my pickums, <gasps> like any of them. So I gave up on the pickums because I'm was behind, and now I'm way 13 behind. games behind on top of that. So oh. I stopped doing the pickums because there's no fucking way. Um, <laughs> But the Redskins, like you said, Alex Smith broke his motherfucking leg. <sighs> and then they signed Mark Sanchez to be the backup for Colt McCoy. And so Colt McCoy started and he went 24 for 38 for 268 yards, two teeters and three interceptions. And then also had five rushes for 28 yards. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. So he did pretty all right. Um, and then I got, oh my God, this is the weirdest thing of all, right? Is it? Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann. Yeah. That's a weird he's, name. He used to be a quarterback. Okay. Okay. So, Alex Smith, the day that he broke his leg. Okay. Joe Theismann is in the audience watching this game, right? Happens 30 years to the day that Joe Theismann broke his leg in the exact same way. Oh! The exact same way. And I think I cannot, I cannot say whether or not this is true, but something I heard, right? Both happened in the same spot on the field. And, no, sir. And the score was the same in both games when it happened. I'm sorry. I have to pee so bad. <laughs> I'm trying to. I just I think really trying. He's in the bathroom. Okay. So you might have to well, wait. Well, then we're good. But um, um, that's it. And then the yeah. 49ers released Reuben Foster. Okay. He's a linebacker. I heard about some domestic violence shit, but that's all that I really know about that. Um, and Alex Smith is out for the rest of the season with his, with his leg. Yeah. So. That's, that doesn't bode well for me. Yeah. And it was such a busy week. I, uh, negated to find a second defense. So mm. my defense also had a buy. Oh my God. I'm hurting this week. Yeah. Getting your ass beat. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. So Colin went to the bathroom. Um, Do you have more? Uh, you nope, that's it. That's oh, it. I know. Well, all I have is a line. Back. So, yeah. I'm coming back. That's all I have is a line. And oh, then we can go. Let's do it. So, um, except for I didn't say this last week, Morgan, you're dead ass wrong about Riverdale. There's three seasons. The third one is on TV right now. Not two seasons. Jordan will slap you if she ever hears you talk bad about Riverdale ever again. Ooh, um, the gauntlet has been thrown. And the cat from Sabrina, its name is Salem. Okay. You should know that shit. And if you didn't know it, you should have looked it up. Oh, she but was on it. the spot. Give her a break now. <laughs> a lot of pressure being on the cast. I feel like if anybody... You got big shoes to fill, if bro. If anybody should know the name of Salem, I expected her to know it. You know, it mm. seems weird to me that she didn't know that his name was Salem. Just because of the stuff that she's into, Boy Meets World and all the whatnot, you know, that seems like right up her alley. Word. But, and I think she did say Salem, but then was like, is it this? Like, I, I'm pretty sure she said, I'm pretty sure his name is Salem, but then was like, oh, wait, but is this his name? And just wasn't for certain. Word. So... Anyway, um, so the line that I have for you this week, so you can go pee when you're done, <laughs> it's like, it's is about to pop off. Um, just go ahead, you know, Colin, just get in your van and go, okay? Because I'll throw down. I'll throw down any any day of the week. All right, get in your little van and drive out of my face right before I go America all over your ass. That's okay. I'll just pee on your ass. 